The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why, why do you show me iniquity? Cause me to see uh, to trouble. Uh, for plunders, they have violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. And God responds and he says, well, look among the nations and watch. Uh, be utterly astounded. No, I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, oh, a bitter and a hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Oh, they're terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards uh, and more uh, fierce than evening wolves. Oh, their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar, and they fly as an eagle to hasten to eat. They come for violence. Their faces set like the east wind, and they gather captives like the sand. They scoff at kings, and princes are scorned by them. They derive uh, every stronghold, for they heap up earthen mounds, and they seize it. Then their mind changes, and they transgresses. He commits an offense, and he ascribes his power to his God. Lord, we thank you for uh, your word all the time and the way it speaks to us. It's a timeless book. The truths never change. Lord, you are fixed. You are from everlasting. And Lord, we ask that today you would open up your word to us and see the application, Lord, to our lives and our own individual worlds and to our world around us, Lord. We ask that you would help us and speak to us. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of struggle and heartache. Lord, help us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we have, as already said, Habakkuk. He is a prophet of God, and he's sent by the Lord to minister and to preach to the kingdom of Judah. Israel they had already kind of gone into a worse state even than them, but they were in trouble. Uh, they had had a good king, King Josiah, uh, but around the year 600 B.C., he's gone replaced by his son, Jehoiakim, who was a terrible king, led them far from God, got them into terrible trouble, close to disaster, and here now as the whole nation is in a very short period of time has gone from a good condition to a very poor one. And here is Habakkuk, though as he is sent by God, he finds himself immediately, he's having a great spiritual struggle with himself between he and God. Between God, why have sent, why did you send me here in the first place? He tells him, he says in verse 2, he says, Lord, how long shall I cry? Thou wilt not hear. Even cry out unto thee violence, and thou shalt not save. Why do you show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance, and for, for spoiling and violence are before me, and there are those that rise up in strife and contention? He's looking there at the world around him. You send me in, and I cry out. So I'm trying to do my job, but I'm crying out, first of all, to you. He used the word cry there twice in that verse, but it's two different Hebrew words. The first one is just cry, as we would get, you know, our general concept of, of crying. But the next one is to scream. It's to cry out in a panic, sort of a scream there as he's uh, with a great sense of intensity about it. And he describes the times, the situation, the world in which it is. Violence, iniquity, grievance, misery, spoiling. There's destruction, strife, contention, injustice. 
And here Habakkuk, as he's praying here, God has sent him into a thing, but as he finds himself trying to deal with it, there, you know, he's wondering, why, God, why don't you do something? He's praying that God would indeed do something. But yet at the same time, as he's crying out, it seems God's not hearing. And God, not only is not hearing, he just seems indifferent. You call me in to go to speak on your behalf. I'm doing what it is. And yet the one who I'm speaking on the behalf of, of his message, I'm making it as simple and clear as I possibly can. And yet at the same time, you're not reinforcing it. Why aren't you kind of doing your part? And so he's becoming more and more burdened about this as God seems to be more and more indifferent. Now, Habakkuk knew exactly why they were in trouble. There was no question about that, wondering why, what's happened to society? What's happened here in Judah? Verse 4, he says, well, he says, therefore the law is slacked. Judgment never goeth forth. The wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceeds. Here he's looking there at the very core of Judah. He's finding there, number one, they, they, it's not like they were lawless. They had laws. They were, they were all there, you know, to, to live and be guided by. But, but it's slacked in the sense that judgment doesn't go forth. In fact, not only the judgment isn't going forth on that, it's even worse than that. The wicked said surround the, the, you know, the righteous or compass or surround. I mean, here, you know, you see now what's going on so many times in government where somebody just stands up for what is right, what is law, what is standard, what is historical, you know, as a basis of society that we have operated under. And yet so many times you go in and the wicked just outshout them or surround them. As it says here, the wicked surround the righteous, they are numbering them as people are just trying to do even their part. So you give me a message. You want me to go do something. There's other people even on this side that are trying to do something. They're outnumbered. And you just seem to be indifferent. And, uh, and, and here is, uh, and, and he says, so wrong judgment proceeds. What, what, we, what anybody would sit there and realize, here is law. Here is what judgment should happen, but it's wrong. They just completely ignore it. And uh, then sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you're almost forcibly removed, surrounded. And here Habakkuk, as he's explaining uh, kind of, the, you, know, uh, the, you know, this to God, pouring out his heart. And here we're having leaders that aren't obeying the law, ignoring in, uh, the law or twisting it. Courts are crooked. Officials aren't motivated by righteousness. And so as Habakkuk cries out to God, and uh, God, he gives him a response that is just uh, earth-shaking, the most unpredictable, and I never dreamed he would ever hear anything like this from God. But God then tells me, he says, as a matter of fact, I am going to do something, and you're, I'm going to answer your prayer, and I'm going to answer it by sending the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, down there as an instrument of my judgment. He says in verse 5, and he, and he tells him right now, he, he, said, uh, he said, look, they're among the nations and watch. He said, be utterly astounded. <laughs> what I'm going to tell you is so, it's going to be utterly astounding to you. And he says, for I will work a work in your days that you won't believe. No, it's told you. I'm going to tell you, you you're going to be astounded. You won't believe it. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Oh, a bitter and a hasty nation. 
uh, which marches through the breadth of the earth. They possess dwelling places uh, that are not theirs. They're terrible. They're dreadful. Their judgment and dignity, they proceed from themselves. Their horses are swifter uh, than leopards, uh, uh, more fierce than evening wolves. That's a wolf that hasn't eaten all day long. Uh, where they devour everything around and their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as an eagle that they hastens to eat. Oh, they come for violence. Uh, their faces are like the east wind. They gather ca- uh, captives uh, like the east wind. I mean, he just looks as he describes them. What a description of a tool. And essentially, God says, Habakkuk, I am at work. I do have a plan. I do know exactly what's going on. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a problem with it. I'll tell you that right from the outside. You won't believe it. Uh, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, you've asked. You know, God sometimes, you know, he, he does things. And he doesn't explain, you know, so much of, of why he is doing something, just of what he is doing. And, and sometimes when that is going on, you know, before somebody even knows why, that, that's rather upsetting to anybody, I suppose, if anything that is going on is negative. And here God tells Habakkuk something that even a godly spiritual man, a prophet of God himself is very troubled by. When God says, this is what I'm doing, I'll let you know. I'm going to let it be, you know, there. But here the sad thing is, is many, many people, they have something happen in their life that they realize, I believe in God. I believe he is there. I believe God can control the events in life. And yet here, the thing that has happened, how could a God of love ever allow this to happen? And they can't rationalize it. They can't accept it. What is happening? God could have, should have, would have, if he was really as great as he was. He didn't do it. Therefore, I'm done with him. How many of us know people that had some event that happened in their life at some point that it was so upsetting to them that if God was real, this never would have happened. And that's all it took for them to write him off and be done. Well, here Habakkuk is given that type of information. But yet at the same time, the difference here is though he doesn't know yet. There's a difference sometimes with somebody that maybe I don't get it any better than anybody else. I don't understand it any better better than any. I don't agree with it better than anybody else. But one thing I know, I know when God even allows something, he knows who he is and he knows what he's doing. And therefore, it's something that the wiser one, though confused, still will sit and wait for what it is that God may do. And here, as God tells him, it's, you know what he's doing? It's amazing. It's incredible. It's, it's unheard of. God even tells him, this is going to be quite shocking to you because I'm going to take the godless, heathen, Chaldeans. And he describes them. You know, they're a bitter and hasty. They're ruthless. They're impetuous people. Absolutely terrible. They're dreadful. They're a law unto themselves. They're, they're afraid of nobody. Their judgment and dignity, it proceeds from themselves. There are people of absolutely no authority over them. They have no judgment. They have no law. They're absolutely fearless of anything and anybody. And they're coming. I'm sending them down. I'm bringing them down. And then as he describes a number of vicious animals, you know, uh, and how the Babylonians are going to treat your country when they get there. Oh, their horses are swifter than leopards. It's almost like he's bragging on them. It's almost like he's, oh man, Habakkuk, wait till you see these guys. They're incredible. You know, to them, they're swifter than leopards. Oh, more fierce than evening wolves. Uh, their horsemen, they'll spread themselves out. They'll come from afar. They'll fly like an eagle just swooping down on its prey. 
And when they come, they come from violence. Their faces, they shall sup up the east wind and shall gather the captivity of sand. They'll be able to just grab the world in like a handful of sand and just fling it into the east wind. He said, there, oh, man, there's something, Habakkuk. You wanted me to deal with stuff? I got it. I heard you. And here, you know, we don't get that. Nobody gets that, of course. Habakkuk doesn't get that. And when things so oftentimes happen within a country, and particularly, I think, ours, you know, right now, in a sense, something that uh, we have been riding for 200 years on the coattails of some founding fathers that were very godly. Some of them deists in different forms, but had an incredible sense of who God was. And that we all were endowed by certain rights by our creator. And they went and sought God and came up with perhaps the most incredible document ever written where every citizen is made as much of authority as anybody else. Judgment is equal. There, uh, you know, with, with all people, every law that we could possibly do with, you know, we, we had our symbol for justice is they got this woman who's blindfolded with a balance in her hand that says there will be equal justice for all. Unheard of in history. Never known in a nation was established that way. And, uh, and, and, and we're, we were born and raised now. We weren't born in Russia. We weren't born maybe in India or China. We weren't born in Babylon or Assyria or Egypt or Rome, you know, where, where they just looked at, at society. You just were born and raised. You didn't. You knew what government was. You had to, your expectations were minimal, you know, with them. You knew they were absolutely unjust, unfair. That was just life as it was. We're stunned when we start losing things being taken away. That we look and say, these are my inalienable rights. We have these things that we should all be enjoying. All should be having. <clears throat> and Habakkuk, though, he's looking at this. He's stunned to hear what is about to, you know, to be happening to them. He's confused. He's frustrated. And you could just imagine the level of frustration and confusion because now how do I pray to a God who not only is aware of what's going on, it appears that he is completely behind them. He's setting it up. Now, how do you pray there? <coughs> he describes there the, the, the Chaldeans as they're coming. They have no authority over there. There'll be no greater power than they themselves. You know, they will, the powers of heaven are just going to sit back and watch it as he, God lays it out to them. There'll be no way to protect yourself, no way to defend yourself, no way to fortify yourself. This is going to happen. And poor Habakkuk. He starts off, you know, by telling God, hey, we're backslidden. We're terrible. You sent me to preach to these people, you know, and wickedness is prevailing. Justice is gone. You need to do something about it. <clears throat> I need to know that you're in with it in this with me. And God said, Habakkuk, don't worry. Don't worry a thing about any of this. I, 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 I got the solution. I'm bringing the most wicked and perverse and corrupt and evil nation in the world on the planet today to clean up the mess. In Habakkuk, I mean, here he's he now he he's amazed. He he can't believe this. I mean, he's looking there and he shifts gears. First of all, there, hey, you know, he comes in. God, now look, we're wicked, we're evil, we're there's we're corrupt, we're carnal, we're immoral, we're material. We we've departed from you, and and and, and God, you'd need to deal with something. You need to, and God's answer essentially, could you imagine the Lord looking at us and saying, 
You've been, I heard your cry. I hear you're all upset about the country and the world and everything around you. Well, I got an answer for you. First of all, I want you to understand here the plan here. I, I'm going to start off, I'm going to unloose a pandemic. Maybe it won't even be one, but we'll call it that and let it loose. And in the presence of it, world leaders will all of a sudden think and realize and feel like they've got more power and they can use and abuse and do whatever they want to any way that they want to. <laughs> and they're all, they'll, be, they'll shut everything down. You won't go anywhere. You won't get on a plane. You won't go to work. You won't go to school. We'll shut everything down. And then I'm just going to let crime go crazy. And then in the process, though, to kind of balance that out, so to hold that in check, we will defund the police. And then, and then, we, then we'll also get stuff. There were things. <coughs> we'll write new textbooks for your children when they do go back to school that they don't even know what they are, but we will tell them. You know, and, uh, you know, what it is. We're getting all sorts of inclusivity there, things. I, well, I live in Southern California. And my own school district. Just my own that I live in just came out with new. There is there are now 10 acceptable gender identities for the school kids to pick from five of the words I never heard. I'm serious. I look at what is that? Well, we'll find out, you know, with it and the kids will get to pick one. And then whatever it is, we're going to help you fi figure out what that means, you know, uh, uh, in this. And this is you look at what is going on. All the way uh, in around society, we're going to let crime go crazy. We're going to let, you know, inflation go crazy. You won't be able to buy a gallon of gas. You're going to watch your 401k go down the tubes. Everything's going to completely fall apart. Habakkuk, it's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. I promise you, <laughs> you know, or something. <laughs> and here, you know, Habakkuk, he's hearing this. And I mean, he's, and he's like, to me, the, 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 the mountain climber, you know, he's, he slips and he falls and he's just dangling on the, on the cliff and he's hopeless. He's crying out about, is there anybody up there? Anybody help me? Voice says, yes, I'm here. I'll help you. Oh, good. Who are you? Is I'm God. Oh, wonderful God. What do you want me to do? Let go. I'll catch you. <laughs> he's quiet for 30 seconds. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> I mean, Habakkuk's saying this can't be true. What in the world is going on? Is he so confused and frustrated? How in the world could God now put himself in alignment with the enemy and being allowing this to happen? Like, this is, I, I'm doing this. And here you've got these people with no authority but their own. No, there's no greater human power that's going to be around to deal with him. And all the powers of heaven seemingly are just going to sit back and watch it. There'll be no way to protect yourself, defend yourself, or fortify yourselves. And Habakkuk, first of all, is so interesting. He starts off complaining to God. You send me here to do a job. I'm trying to do my job. You're not giving me any assistance on this thing. And, and, uh, and there, I, we, we, we got trouble. We got problems. You know, we're wicked. We're perverse. We're corrupt. God, you help us. And then he tells him what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to bring this down on you. You know, we're really going to shut down everything, your churches, your schools, your crime will go crazy. And now Habakkuk, he finds himself there. Now the very people that he's wanting God to judge, that he's wanting there to God, you've got to discipline us. You're not doing anything. Now he completely shifts the pendulum over and he defends them. He, he now he finds himself, you know, responding to God. They're trying to figure out how in the world could you do this? 
uh, and, uh, and, and, and do it. And in verse 12, he says there, he says, wait a minute. You are, you're from everlasting. He says, oh, Lord, my God, you're the Holy One. Have you forgotten yourself? What's happened? Are you going through a little? You need some therapy? We, he said, we will not die. Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. <coughs> oh, Rock, you have marked them for correction. You're of pure eyes than to behold evil. You cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those that deal so treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? All right, God, we're in trouble. We're a mess. That's where we started. You sent me here to deal with it. But now you tell me you are going to use something so much. We're corrupt, but you're going to use the epitome of corruption, of evil, of wickedness. And you, you're a holy God. You're of pure eyes than to, than to deal like this, than to look upon somebody that is more wicked than me. How could you use somebody more wicked than we are to deal with our wickedness? Makes no sense. And here, first of all, he wants God to judge. Then God comes, he says, I'm going to do it. Then he says, wait a minute, you can't do that. that you know, that's, that's an overkill for one thing. You know, looks at it, he says, you know, we think when God does surgery, you know, we've got this picture of, you know, this operating room with these sterile walls, high gloss enamel, everything in it is purified. All the, you know, utensils and the knives and everything are sterile and they're all laid out and we're wheeled into this wonderful little operating room. You know, because God, you, when you operate, you're God, you're holy, you're pure. You know, you, how could you use something impure to try to get a pure end, you know? But God... I'll use a rusty axe if I want to. I'll use anything I want to to get my, 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 my job done. To what it is that, that I want to do. And here as God is going through this, lay, you know, with it and about to do it now, you know, and when then Habakkuk realizes that's not working. He's going to do this. And then, you know, he finds as he's, as he's going to do this, he finds himself now he's defending the people. And then when he's defending the people, trying to do that, he finds even that's not going to work. In verse 15, you know, or verse 14, pardon me, he says, Why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping things uh, that have no ruler over them, and take up all of them with a hook, catch them in their net, gather them in their dragnet? Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Uh, therefore they sacrifice to their net. They burn their incense, their dragnet. And because, in them, uh, because of them, their share is sumptuous uh, and their food plentiful. Shall they therefore empty their net and continue to uh, slay nations without pity? Here now he looks here and he says, God, do you realize if you do this? All right, you, do, you're, you seem like you're bound to do this. You're going to use a messed up terrible situation, an evil, wicked nation. But do you realize this is complete annihilation you're talking about? Do you realize we'll just be like fish in a net, hooked in there, we'll just be drawn in, we'll be done for. It'll be the end of us. If something doesn't happen, you allow this to happen, there's no way to turn it around. And here, you know, so often, you know, when we, when we look at this, Habakkuk finds himself struggling terribly, obviously, with this, as I think anybody would. Uh, nothing unique, essentially, about that. But as he finds himself there, God had warned the children of Israel many, many times for many, many years. 
of what he was what, what he wanted from them. The parallel to this, Jeremiah, over in Jeremiah 36, verse 14, Jeremiah's commentary on this same event. It says, but it says, moreover, all the chief priests and the people they transgressed. Very much after the abominations of the heathen, they polluted the house of the Lord, which he hallowed in Jerusalem. Here God, Jeremiah says, you know, one of the first problems we had was when the pulpit corrupted itself. Was when the spiritual leadership over the country, they transgressed. And what they did was abominable. And on one hand, you know, when you go here, you're used to worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ biblically on who he is and what he's all about. You're used to the Word of God constantly. Every time you meet, everything is based upon the Word of God. You're used to that. That is not common anymore. That is not something you just go down and just walk into all these churches that say they're Christian churches. The vast, sadly, percentage of them that you would walk in. You're not going to get the Word of God. You're not going to get, you know, the, the, the pure you know, worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may get something that's very flowery, but it's also there completely corrupted. So much of it, not all of it, but a lot of it, that's for sure. And here Jeremiah, he says, the chief priests, the people transgressed. And then he says, and the Lord God of their father sent to them messengers, rising in betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling. He said, I sent messenger after messenger after messenger to tell you where you're going. What are you doing? In the meantime, you see all these people selling their get better happy books and all this other stuff that's going on around and everything turning woke. And he said, but I sent messengers. You know what you should be doing because I had compassion. But they mocked the messengers of God and they despised his words. They misused his prophets or abused them. He said, everybody said, you mocked them. You had no interest in them whatsoever. And you despised the words, misused the prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. God said, I did everything I possibly could for decades. Decades laying it out with no mention at all. Therefore, verse 17, he said, he brought upon them the king of Chaldees and slew their young men. And, and so forth. And then he says in verse 21, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah <clears throat> until the land enjoyed its, its Sabbath. He said, I came down, I did everything I possibly could. Ere I sent and sent and sent and everything was just crazy. Nobody responded. You abused them. You turned them away. And you know, when we watch what has happened now, with we, we're looking at a culture and we're looking at a world that's just gone completely off the charts. Now, I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, that's for sure. I am certainly not a doctor. And in fact, I've never even played a doctor on TV. So I, I you know. But when I see a doctor go before Congress, an MD, and they just simply, you know, a committee asks them, describe a woman. And they cannot do it. They can't do it. And they give them every opportunity to try to do it. And then no matter what. I, I, yeah, and you know this woman all of her life knew what a woman was. You know she's in grammar school and high school and college and pre-med and medical school. All the way through her career. Now as a professor in a medical school somewhere. But all of a sudden after all these years. I don't know what a woman is. You want to. You, 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 
do we, or you got a guy, you got a man there that when they ask him, can a man have a baby? Yes. A doctor. Another doctor. Yes, a man can have a baby. Has it ever happened? No, no, but uh, it's going to happen. Man can. Really. Now, again, I'm not a doctor. Now, I, I, I understand the concept somehow or another of taking part of a female body and injecting it into a male body. And if they give it enough anti-rejection medicine, perhaps they can fool that, that body part of a female that it's in a female body and not reject it. And then they can artificially inseminate it and then maybe have a child. But to think that a man had a child, no. No, a man with a woman's body parts had a child and they're all whacked. You know, but when we look here and think, but this, these are the leaders of our country. These are our, and you look there, is this, and this has just happened in the last couple of years. It's just, it's insane to watch all of this going on. And here Habakkuk, he's watching evil swoop down upon them. And here God, he tells them, I, I did everything I could. I sent natural calamities, droughts, plagues, military defeats. And instead of the people repenting, they endured, they just went to their own selves to try to solve their problems. Instead of turning to the Lord, they ended up hardening their hearts, turning to the gods of the nations around them to try to get themselves out of it. And God says, after doing everything I could, yes, I had to do some pretty drastic things. But as far as Habakkuk is concerned, you know, first thing is he doesn't, this doesn't solve it. Now, he, you know, he, you're a pure eyes, you're holy, you can't do this. And now, and when he realizes he's doing it, then he looks there and he says, well, this is the end of our world. God, you realize this will be the end. They will swoop down, we'll be like fish, we'll be in the dragnet, we'll be off, we'll be dinner. We're done. Is that what you want? Is that what you're doing? Is that what you're behind? And here, Habakkuk. As he finds himself in this struggle, uh, you know, it's, it's something here. I, it, also, Jeremiah, back to him for a moment, he's saying all the while all this is going on for decades. Jeremiah has been telling them, you know, hey, folks, you got a bunch of false prophets around. Though these false prophets are saying, don't you worry. Everything is going to be just fine. God is a loving God. He's a caring God. He would never allow you know, you to go through any hard time, anything painful, any suffering. For 40 years, Jeremiah had warned the people back and forth and back and forth, and they refused, and they rejected. And, uh, and here, Jeremiah is trying to say, what you need above all else is obedient faith in God. And here, as God lays it out, you know, first he says what he's, gonna, what he's doing, but then, fortunately, he also explains why which is obviously the ultimate of things. Chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk responds, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. I will wait and see what he says to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Habakkuk knew, I do not get this. I am an absolute loss to get a grasp on you. Here's a godly man, and even he couldn't grasp this. But he says, but still I know you are right and I'm wrong and I'm going to wait for you to explain. That's always the difference between the wisest of men and the fallen away of men. 
is that at the foundation they know God is always right because he's God and he's loving and he's powerful and he is never wrong. And so if there's something I can't make work or figure it out, I'm wrong, not him. That's wisdom. When somebody looks back and then as God explains himself, and he wonderfully does it in chapter 2, verse 5, God says, I know the tool I'm using. I'm very aware of exactly what I have in my hand, exactly what's in my mind. Nothing is out of control. It is absolutely my plan. And he says, I know the Chaldean. He says in verse 5, and also because he transgresses by wine. He is a proud man. He neither keepeth at home nor enlarges his desire as hell and, he, uh, and is as death. He cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations uh, and heapeth them uh, unto him all people. Shall not these take a parable against him and a taunting proverb against him and say, Woe unto him that increases that which is not his. How long and, uh, and to him that ladeth himself with thick clay. And he said, Arise, uh, they shall... Shall they not rise up suddenly, and shall bite thee, and awake that that vex thee? And uh, thou shalt be a bounty for them. Verse 8, and he's because he has spoiled many nations, and the remnant of the people shall spoil thee. Because of men's blood, and because of the violence of the land, and uh, of the city, and all that dwell therein. Woe unto him that covets, an evil covetousness, uh, his house. And that he may set his nest on high and that he may be delivered from the power of evil. He says, I know exactly who they are. I know their corruption. I know their wickedness. I know what they're about. I know they're bloody. I know they just gather nations around them. How powerful they all are. Woe unto him that builds a, a town with blood and establishes a city in iniquity. He said, he said don't worry about them. I know exactly what, what's going to go on. They covet. They're corrupt. They build their nest on high. You know, it's amazing on how many leaders sometimes can go out and what's, you know, the, everybody else, what they have for them. But they themselves, their nest is built on high. They're protected. They live in great lives. They live in behind gated gates, you know, places. They're, they're, they got a fine thing. And the, the rest of the people, I don't let them. Whatever happens, blood is burdened. Who cares? They're fine. And... Uh, but he, uh, he, you can go on and read the, more in the chapter about him. But he gets down, verse 20, he says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. God says, I know who I am, and I know what I'm doing. Settle down. And, but Habakkuk, he sat, and he watched, and he waited, and he meditated. And boy, was it ever worth it. Because God, when he speaks to him, he says, I want you, I'm going to give you a message. I want you to write it down. He that runneth. But he says to him, behold, in verse 6, his soul, chapter 2, which is lifted up, is not upright within him. I know the Chaldean very well. But here's the difference. The just shall live by his faith. The Lord looks there at Habakkuk. He says, Habakkuk, what is going on? And what is happening here, I'm very well aware of all of this. But I also want you to know the thing that's going to happen. They won't live. But you will. By your faith. That's what makes you and your world entirely different. The Chaldeans, the Babylonians, the Hittites, Jebusites, the Amalekites, the Philistines, the Edomites, the Moabites. They've all been around. They've all come. They've all gone. But he says, the just. You'll outlive them all. 
You will live. They will not. Anybody have lunch this week with a Hittite? Hivite? Jebusite? Amalekite? A Jesurite? You say, I think I work for one. No, <laughs> I'm married to one. I don't know, but whatever. No, you didn't. Oh, they rose and they were, they were around. Mark Twain once said, 1899, he says, The Egyptian, the Babylonian, and the Persian, they rose, they filled the planet with sound and splendor, then fainted into dream stuff and passed away. The Greek and the Roman followed and made a vast noise. They are gone. Other peoples have sprung up and held their torch for a time, but it burned out, and they that sit, they sit in twilight now, or have vanished. The Jew saw them all. He beat them all. And is now what he always was, exhibiting no decadence of infirmities of age, no weakening of his parts, no slowing of his energies, no dulling of his alert, aggressive mind. All things are mortal but the Jew. All other forces pass, but he remains. What is the secret of his immortality? Well, we know. God looked and he says, you live by faith. And here there's something where all these other nations, they came and they, and they served a purpose at a time. Something there when nothing else would work. When God had tried and tried and tried, they wouldn't, you know, he'd send his prophets. He would send to them famines. He'd send droughts. He'd send economic issues. One thing after another is down and down and down. It would go. And when they didn't cry out, they didn't turn around. When their homes and marriages and families are in disarray, when society is in corrupt, whenever the generations are now being destroyed, when everything is finally there, when, when nothing did, then God would bring them in and let their enemies do their work. And that always worked. Never failed. But it was always God's last result. And it was so powerful, Habakkuk, when he figures all this out, when he sits and he listens and he understands. He says in chapter 3, verse 6, he says, his ways are everlasting. He realized man's behavior and what we think and what we want and what has to happen. We get knee-jerk reactions. This has to happen. This has to happen. This will work. But God's ways are everlasting. They're predictable. Man's ways are inconsistent. Ephesians 1.11 tells us that God uh, is, uh, he works according to the purpose of him that worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. God is one a perfect deliberation, perfect plan. None of it's knee-jerk and out of impatience or frustration or confusion. With him it's all laid out. And sometimes it's desperate. You know, if you're a doctor and you we've all maybe known people or maybe had cancer issues ourselves or watched people go through it. People go to the doctor and they find there that there's a cancer and then they start, well, let's try this, let's do this. And here are this surgery or whatever. But then finally, when there it comes down that the very life of the person is really threatened, they'll use a radical thing called chemotherapy. They start pumping poison. Poison, pure poison into the human body. And it begins to eat away everything it touches. And it begins to devour in such a way that now that's the good doctor. He'll bring that person right to the very brink of death in order to save their life. In order to bring them around and revive them. And here we see something in our world today where we long for ourselves. You know, I think the struggle that we so often is there's realizing the combination of being both a citizen and a Christian. 
You see, as a citizen, every one of us should deeply want. I mean, we have forefathers that gave us an incredible document, an unbelievable document, the best, I believe, in history. Most people would, would agree on that. And when I mean, you look at the Constitution, look at the Bill of Rights, you look at the amendments, they're absolutely incredible. And as a citizen, we should be fighting for them. We should be standing for them, but, it, but to realize that that satisfies spiritually things, maybe not. Because now to combine, I'm both a citizen and a Christian. And above all else, to realize, you know, God is somebody. We believe that God gave these documents. They, they said, we, God, our creator has given to us a certain inalienable rights. They prayed and they waited upon God, who they believe they got these documents from God. Now, we're people so often, I want the documents. I don't know about God. You know, we're somebody like this rich guy that some woman goes, oh, I, I'm in love with him. Are you in love with his money or him? He knows. And God looks there and he says, well, I'm glad to give out my money. <laughs> I'm glad to take care of you. I'm glad to lay out a way of the system where you can operate and, and have a society that's stable. But it's not eternal until it's mine. And balancing there the issue of not just needing the things from God, but God himself. And realizing as a Christian, God looks at every one of us and he says to you and he says to me, as much as he ever said it on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you, that's you, that's me. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its savor, where shall it be salted? It's henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, trodden under the foot of men. You. You're the light of the world. A city that is set up on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it may give it light to all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in heaven. God looks, he says, you're, you're a citizen. But more than that, you're my child. More than that, on one hand, I'm as much on voting because I, I'm a citizen. I'm part of the government as much as anybody else in it. And if I want to complain about it, I better vote. I don't have the right. You don't have the right to complain about a system that you won't participate in when you are as much a participant as anybody else. Be a citizen with all your heart. Go to the school districts. Go to the city councils. Have your voice heard. But realize that's temporary helping hold a society together that is not an eternal society itself. And how, Lord, do I bring others into it? And the Lord looks at you and he looks at me. And he says, that's your job. And Habakkuk, he figured it out. He said, I want you to write this there and put it on a banner, put it on a post that people that run by can read it. And the message is simple. The just, you'll live. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You know, if you're a child of God, you'll be fine. By your faith. And when you look there and realize, God says, you'll be fine. You're watching things that may be bitter, may be hard pill to swallow. But you'll be fine. But in the process, you take your sign and say, the just shall live by his faith. What's going to cause us to really make it through is not merely the document, but the hand that gave it and being both and realizing that's what I am. I am both a citizen. And I'm the Christian. And here it closes so wonderfully in chapter 3. He says, verse 2, he says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech. I was afraid. 
But, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. He says, God, do your work. I get it. I've heard your speech. Go about your business. Make it known. But then he says, but God, in wrath, remember mercy. God, be merciful. But you do what you've got to do. And then he sat back, and the most important thing of all, to prove he got the message. Sometimes we get the message, and we think we understand the message. Habakkuk did, and he says in verse 17 of chapter 3, he says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines, and the labor in the olive, it shall fail, and the figs or the fields shall bring no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there'll be no herd in the stalls. He says, God, if nothing changes, if everything falls apart, there but something there, the fig tree doesn't blossom, no fruit in the vine, the olive fails, fields bring forth no fruit, the flock's cut off, no herd in the stall. And he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He says, God, I just need to know you are in control. I just needed to know you had it all worked out better than I could imagine. And he said to him, he says, the Lord is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. He says, God, you're taking me up to be with you. You've given me hinds feet in high places. I've been begging you, God, you come down here, you come down here, you come down here, you fix this. And you said, no, you come up here. You come up here, Habakkuk. I'll make your feet like hinds feet. You can sit above it all and not be controlled and messed with by it. But you can be a messenger to it and you can rejoice. And the real thing today, if we truly get God's word, and we agree with it. And we say that's what's happened. Not just the, the painful part. But we, if we get it then to be able to say. Okay God I rejoice in you. I'm glad you're on the throne. All this world that's coming and going. It's a flash in the pan. You're eternal. Take me up to be with you. Amen. Amen. Lord we thank you for your word. We thank you for the comfort it brings, Lord, though that sometimes we don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm no prophet. I just read the words of a prophet and of the hope that you gave him, even in the midst of great confusion. Lord, help us all to rise above any confusion, any struggle. And Lord, help us to know and to have that balance that we aren't merely a citizen or merely a Christian. We're both. And Lord, how to be that good citizen and, and to take that message into the grocery store to work next this coming week in the neighborhood and wherever we're going. And people are all saying, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible, it's terrible. And to be able to say, oh, yes, it is. But not in God's world. It's, it's very clear that if we live by faith, we live and we'll be fine. Do you have that faith? And Lord, I pray this morning as, as we close, if there's here, anybody here, you don't know the Lord. You realize, I don't have this. I'm afraid. I'm nervous. I'm done. I, I'm panicked. You realize, I need the Lord. 
that's where you're at and you want to receive Christ, would you just lift up your hand wherever you are? I want to pray for you, wherever you may be. Just lift it up, down. I don't want to be afraid. I want to rest in Jesus. I want him to carry me through. I want his life. Just lift your hand up and down. I didn't want to pray for you before we go. God bless you. Any others? Anybody else? Before I close. I may not be seeing a hand. You may have it up. But Lord, we thank you. Lord, we pray today that any that would need to come to you, they would. And Lord, you would strengthen each and every one. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.